0: Okay, so welcome to the Tangle Trees podcast. It's been a bit of a wild ride getting to this point. I've definitely faced almost every hiccup and technical difficulty that I ever even thought was possible, but we're finally here and this is episode one. So I wanted to start off by thanking everyone who made this podcast possible. And for anyone who didn't see the post on my Instagram account, The Girl Who Climbs, there's currently a giveaway in partnership with Arborist Store and Clogger. So head on over to that Instagram account, check it out, give the post a follow, like my page, The Girl Who Climbs, and tag as many friends in the comments. So today, I will be chatting with my very first guest. You may know him as Phil Vision on Instagram, and this will be very much unscripted and quite a mishmash of topics. I wanted to give the podcast a raw feel, but still find topics that can be useful or entertaining please send me some DMs to share what you think and any ideas or topics you'd like to hear or that you feel would elevate the podcast in future episodes. This is very much intended to be a collaboration within our industry rather than a solo project for myself. So let's get to it. I hope you enjoy the podcast. thank you for
1: coming on. All right. Um, yeah, so my name is Phil Léger from uh, Montreal, Quebec in the beautiful country of Canada. And I've been in the hedge and tree world. Well, let's talk about the hedge world first. I've been there in hedge trimming world for most of my life. I'm early 30s and been running my own business for over a decade now and just recently have entered the tree world. And uh, like I mentioned, hedge trimming has been a passion of mine for many, many years. And in past years, I've Asking myself, I was like, yeah, you know what? Hedges are trees. Stop calling this gardening. We should not be paid like gardeners. This is a serious business and should be considered as tree work. And a lot of people laughed at me and they're like, no, nah, that's gardening. But I proved them wrong. And yeah, now I run my tree company.
0: I'm literally lost in a hedge if I ever have to do
1: one i mean it' it's, it's a lot of work. no one can undermine that. it's not for everybody um I like it i always I fell in love with it for the artistic pur- purpose and just making really nice shapes and things like that, and they kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger, so we got more equipped and that's whenever I realized, yeah, this is tree work, and we need to be uh insured almost like it. I need a wood chipper um I need almost all the same tools as tree work and it's funny, like my company's Vision Landscaping, and I have a tree in the logo. And uh, I made this logo a decade ago, and now I'm in tree work. It's just it's, it's amazing how things come full circle. And uh, now we just have a small little business, and it's, it's going fantastic.
0: So you've started climbing. Uh, how does that feel in comparison to doing everyday hedge work?
1: Oh, I can't express how amazing that is first of all just on my body i mean doing repetitive movements and head trimming for such a long time um believe it or not like i started getting like deformed if that that even makes sense like left pec bigger right back shoulder blade bigger just because you're always making the same movement so the tree work has really been a full body workout yeah and i just started this year april 1st believe it or not no april fools was my first climb ever on rope and so this is how it went down right i had blue moon i threw it over a 12 inch limb and i knew some basics and i just pulled myself up with no cambium saver uh, drt (laughs) right up uh, and i was like this sucks if this tree work is this hard i don't want to get into it Uh, (laughs) but since then i've learned uh, i've learned a few new things let's say and i'm enjoying it a lot more
0: i think you actually are on to srt more than i am now are you serious
1: crazy yeah actually well, that's a, You can blame James for that. He's, uh, he's taught me how this year, and I didn't think I'd ever be this far ahead this year.
0: Yeah, I use it mainly for spar work at the moment and then just double system system, like kind of for work positioning more than anything or if it's a really wonky looking tree that I'm trying to get up quickly without fatiguing.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, like you mentioned, double systems. I think that is something that, is so 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 valuable especially for me whenever i'm learning to be in two systems and yeah maybe uh, there's an old school mentality like yeah you don't need that but why work in an uncomfortable position for me it just makes absolutely no sense uh, and i'm a big believer in getting getting all the goods i mean what's another 300 zigzag for yourself to work safely It's it's nothing so buy the toys buy the toys
0: i've never met an arborist or a tree worker that didn't love what they do and that's it's crazy to me when people are like, oh, no, I can't spend money on that. I'm like, but this is literally just a hobby that we get paid to do.
1: Yeah, and 100% agree. And the, the mentality is people, they, they, they fall into a rut. I say people just as one of what I observe. I, I'm from Quebec, and we're pretty stubborn out here, as uh, French Canadians. And like, you'll have people climbing on the oldest equipment, never wanting to, to, to do anything. People brag. They're like, oh, yeah, I learned how to, to prune trees of spikes. Like, that's not really oh. something you want to brag about, buddy. Uh, I learned to climb spikes only. Like, it's an old, old mentality that no one really wants to to get out of. And I totally agree with you. Like, buying this fancy gear, buying great equipment is definitely going to make everyday climbing a lot more enjoyable. And it uh, keeps your brain, you know, looking for different possibilities. I don't want this to be, like, a dead-end job. I want it to be something that I can grow in and excel in and you think about it, it's actually the most, probably the most dangerous jobs out there. So a lot of people have actually asked me, what on earth are you doing in trees in your first year of climbing? Uh, have you got that? Because you just started tree work a couple years ago and you're like wielding big saws in trees. I'm not doing that <laughs> yet. Do you get that with those questions too?
0: Uh, I always get the question, like, how did you get into this? Or how did you start climbing right out of the gate? And my like quick and dirty answer is always... Well, I've been in rope access for a decade, so I'm I'm really familiar with climbing. Minus, it is a cowboy world that we're in in trees. Like, it, no other rope access industry is this unregulated, in my opinion. I know Europe's kind of stepping up with those kind of regulations and double systems and just yeah. restrictions on what you can be climbing on. But here, I find, like, there's people just climbing with flip lines and spikes and... Like you said like, like I could not even picture myself I would be shitting my pants I kid you not if I only had a flip line and a saw hanging off with no chainsaw pants or no helmet.
1: Oh 100%. I, I hear from James every day so he's the lead climber in the business and like he used to be on Akimbo, Kimbo and now he like runs a double zigzags and like every now and then I'm like hey James uh, last year you'd be doing this only on your Akimbo. and he's like oh man he can't like <laughs> Uh, it's it's now you just we just run two systems and it's it's hundred percent like why why work, why work stupidly why why put yourself at risk? We underestimate so much. There's no point going out making two to three thousand dollars of sales a day if you're adding an increment of of, of risk that could end your life. Uh, there's no. Point.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And then when it comes to having the better gear or spending the money. Um, it comes really down to your PPE as well. Like not having proper P PPE or like a proper fitting harness or a proper fitting helmet that I find really fatigues me personally. And that makes or breaks my day. So if I'm comfortable going into the tree and comfortable with the gear I'm rocking, I can last so much longer and work so much harder, which ends up being way better for my business as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, just bought a harness this year actually in Quebec uh, rules are you need a chest like a legit like five point like chest harness with, like a d-ring in it uh so that is like if you have other employees on site but if you're a self sub- subcontractor like James technically he'd, like he works for my business but it's a long story but I pay him th- as a sub it's just is the best way to to go about things but um like, he doesn't need to have it either but we just do it you know because we're always on Instagram and posting pictures and don't want to r- rouse any suspicious activities but yeah like I don't like my chest harness. I feel like it's really, really limiting me, but, uh, it's uncomfortable. I'm getting used to it, but I've had to go through some major, uh, major harness makeovers as I'm just learning to climb. James looks at my harness every now and then he's like, what on earth are you doing? And they like, move that around. Okay. And gives me some tips. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. This whole year has been amazing. Talk about a year to live in 2020. I mean, I don't think I, I remember growing up looking ahead and like, Oh, 2020, that sounds like a really cool year. Negative. <laughs> That was, uh, it's been really interesting for business owners and learning to climb has just made it a lot more fun. It's, uh, I'll say that I just did a forest removal the other day, but I really like pruning. That's our focus is really to preserve the existing canopy of the West Island of Montreal where we live. I think pruning is just, you know, you're going to be back in like five to seven years. You remove the tree, the customer doesn't care as long as nothing breaks and as long as you get out of there fast that's all they look for you know there's there's no satisfaction in my opinion in removals as much as much i, I think removing a big tree like you did i think you did you took down a big <laughs> maple right how satisfying was that
0: oh i've done a few of them this season now but the the last one that i've been working on this like over a couple months just for family um just fitting it in between other jobs that thing was so far out of my comfort zone and originally quoted as a crane job. So between a 10 to $20,000 tree to be removed. And I did it with me, my rigging gear and just one ground person. So that blew my mind. The fact that we actually got it done and nothing got wrecked and like nobody got hurt there were definitely a couple moments where I was like, oh man, like, what did I get into? Why am I doing this? You mind
1: you mind me asking, like, how much more or less did you charge? you charge, like, per hour for that? Or did you, like, give them a price? Or how do you... Like, I'm sure... I, obviously, you're less than the crane job price, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I, it, because it was family, I actually quoted it. I guess I'll just say this because... I, <laughs> whatever. So, I quoted it uh, six grand. So, that was just to account for the amount of removal of stuff dealing with all of the brush all of the wood uh, the sheer amount of time and hours spent in that tree and because they were quoted like so much more than that they like that was a super reasonable reasonable super realistic price at that time and it worked out really well for me because it was just an add-on job for my entire season it didn't really impact my schedule at all it was just whenever we had time or whenever somebody else canceled or changed the schedule, like we'd just be like, okay, let's go there today.
1: That's great. Yeah, that's definitely learning curve and pricing as well and family members and things like that. That's, it's pretty good. They could still make a significant And If you're going to tell me <laughs> two, three grand, I would have been like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, but um... uh, I made a big mistake. This is my first year quoting tree work, right? So you might think, I've been, I've been in the business for 12 years. I mean, I've been quoting things. and So tree work is just like the next step and uh, i 've had to learn a lot in the, in a hurry, but i've underquoted this big ash tree that we 're doing <laughs> in mid November now, and uh like, everyone's going to be paid except me i 'm going to be making a lot le- less money. The tree is a codom, like eighty foot ash like uh the the base is probably forty inches at the base, and it 's just two big massive sticks, and it 's in the backyard it 's not going to be fun James wants to do it. I, like I told him, look, we could back out. I know the homeowner. Like if we, he think it's too much, but he's he's stoked. It's gonna be probably the biggest tree he's gonna climb. He's very excited. So yeah, I can take a little hit on that. But there's always next year, and that's probably the only job that I've underquoted this year. But it's a learning experience.
0: Oh, I honestly like I've done that a couple times this year where I've quoted it was really excited about the job and then showed up and was like, oh no. <laughs> I think the worst one that I did was a uh, monster like mature honey locust prune and I was just so excited to do this tree. I wanted this tree so bad that I underquoted like horribly just because I wanted to climb it and oh man like it ended up taking almost two full days oh to my prune goodness. this thing and that was at the same time that I had that stupid Petzl harness that was pinchy and terrible and oh yeah.
1: Yeah, way to make yeah. yeah sounds, Honey
0: locusts are stuff miserable. <laughs> Probably the worst job, but ended up being my favorite job. Like I was totally okay with taking the hit on that that one just because that tree was absolutely unreal. It looked phenomenal when it was done. But that was a huge quoting mistake for me
1: but you know as long as you limit yourself to one or two a year kind of a thing and learn from the mistakes i, I like it's fun being able to talk to another uh, small business owner because you know like i'm on instagram too you too obviously and you see all these people that run their own businesses you don't know actually you don't even know if they run their own businesses or there's a contract climber and it's there's that tree aspect there's the gear there's tree bio uh pruning techniques, all this, but there's like the running of the business every day. That's a totally different subject that is actually my passion. I love love talking with people and finding out how they're doing things. Uh, That is something we could talk about probably until tomorrow. So we'll have to cut it (laughs) short.
0: (laughs) Well, let's hop over to that a little bit here, um, just so we're not getting too caught up in quoting and trees and all of the crazy fun stuff that we do. I know I've had a lot of questions about what systems and softwares and how do I do my estimates. And personally, I've switched to Jobber. I'm not 100% sold on it. I have to use it in combination with QuickBooks. But I know you have a system that works absolutely awesome for you. And I've been debating switching. So if you want to chat about that, okay. that might be... first. All right. Well,
1: first of all, I'd like to say that this was not planned and this is a no paid partnership <laughs> with Servicemate and I am not getting paid for this. But I, I feel you have Jobber. It's, it's, it's good, but it's not perfect. I kid you not, whenever I, I spent possibly 100 hours this past winter, um, pre-COVID actually in like February, going through all these different CRM. So whenever I say CRM, that's a customer relationship manager. I'm sure you know that but for anybody else listening. So yep. a CRM is software you're going to use. That's going to take all your contacts, all your jobs, all your quoting. It's going to store it all together. You're going to be able to sort through it pretty, pretty quickly. And then like you said, jobber and service mate and uh, Arbor gold, all these things are CRMs. And then that will actually sync over to your QuickBooks for your end of year uh, reports and your payroll and this and that you have to separate them. These Jobber things do not do your payroll. They just manage like your incoming leads and your and your jobs here and there. So, yeah, uh, I found ServiceMate. And I'll tell you what, the first thing I was looking at with uh, Jobber is, wow, you're expensive. You're 99 US and you're a Canadian company. Why? Um, ServiceMate, Australian company, charges Canadian dollars. Okay, so it's $80 Canadian on the nose for their software, for, which is very cheap, in my opinion, for what yeah. I get in here. It's very, very cheap. Um, it only runs on iOS, so I have to buy an iPad. Why? Because it's super optimized for, the, for, for Apple. I'm actually gonna get an iPhone. I've never had an iPhone in my life. I'm gonna get one this winter because they have a new app called ServiceMate Phone. So as soon as any contact calls you, immediately like their, their previous job or current job shows up on your screen and you can address it right away with like all the information, all the pictures you've taken. Uh, it's amazing. Have you have you seen Service Mate yet? It's a S-E-R-V-I-C-E-M number eight. You know, like the Aussies would say, Service Mate.
0: So I looked into it because we actually chatted about this a few months back when I was bouncing between things, and I loved it. But at that point, I didn't really have iOS. So I've actually switched everything. So I'm sitting here with a MacBook oh, Pro wow. in front of me, an iPad, and oh, my wow. phone. Oh, wow. You're set. You're set. Which just having those systems and being able to kind of connect like all of my photos for jobs and everything, uh, between all of my systems, that was awesome. So I've been looking at service mate, I think for next season, I'll definitely be moving in that direction just to keep everything so clean because I'm a little bit, a bit of a perfectionist with certain things and I like stuff organized. Otherwise I get,
1: I become scared. hundred percent. And it's, it's just such a really, really good system to keep, organized. I highly recommend it to anybody. And it will not be easy. It will be a little consuming at first. But this $80 a month Canadian has saved me hours and hours and hours and hours of time. You guys got to check it out. I'm telling you, it's 2020. Get on it.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely be looking into it. I know like some of the bigger name brand, like CRMs are hundreds of dollars a month. Like I don't even understand how to Justify that as a business. I guess if I had multiple crews or multiple trucks, maybe. But I feel like ServiceMate would still oh, 100%, tackle that hundred percent. Sort of there's issue. huge
1: companies that use this, and uh, I think I think you can have unlimited users or so. Like that's the thing with the Jobber and those things. You you have less support. ServiceMate, you have any question anytime. They have live chat. They have live chat. You, just go, you chat, and it's oh. it's incredible. They're on the other side of the world, but in Aussie Aussie land. But they they run twenty four hours a day, and they they answer your questions. They send you links to watch videos and learn how to do it yourself. I know the system pretty well. I'm going to learn it a lot more in the off season, and I can't wait to be even more organized.
0: Um, you mentioned ash trees. So, mm. what are they like up in your area? I know the northern sections are a little bit less destroyed and like decimated from the eab but are you getting lots of calls regarding ash at this point yep and a lot of them have
1: been dead long time today's tree i saw it i guess when i didn't have leaves on it and it was it was pretty crispy the homeowner was like oh yeah there was leaves on it but obviously not it felt like half the weight the tree was probably should have been a lift tree we did it very safely. It was a triple stem ash tree, but yeah, a lot of them up here have been dead for a while. They hit, they've hit pretty hard a couple of years ago. And now we're kind of just dealing with the, with the repercussions of, of EAB. And there's, there's, there was a number, I think there was something like three to thousand trees in the province that have to come down or just in Munch. I don't know where it was, but there's a, there's yeah, a lot. It's... And would you say that's fun? Okay. Maybe, but it's not what we really want to do. We'll do it for our clients. Uh, but we're not chasing them. Like, there's people out here, like, solely going into tree work to, to remove ash trees just because they see the cash. And if you see, if you're only in this business for the money, uh, something's gonna go wrong and you're not gonna, yeah, you're, not, you're not gonna be in here a long time, I don't think.
0: The people that are still climbing ash and like, in certain areas, they're so bad. I've heard a few stories of ash trees actually breaking out at the base, or Holy having cow. tie-in points bust out with a climber. And I think it's Davy. I'd like nobody quote me on this. I'm pretty sure some of the companies have just stopped climbing ash trees completely. I personally go case by case. I hesitate taking those jobs yeah. at this point, but I have climbed a couple this year. But I do. I aim for that having that second tie somewhere else if possible, just because they they scare the yeah hundred percent.
1: Um, we've (laughs) we've quoted like I said this big massive one that I'm going to be losing money on uh, next week. It's it had it all its leaves this year. I saw it in the summer and I was comfortable. And uh, there's a couple of like there's one down the street from me and the guy's been waiting obviously for a very long time. And he just wants he now he wants it done. And I've kept on raising my price every year and. Actually, not every year, twice this year already. He wanted one in the spring, asked me for another call in the summer. Now he wants it in the fall. It's going to be even more. And I don't even think we're going to do it. Like, what's the point of just filling up another day if you're going to add a significant amount of risk? And I 100% agree there's a big company around here. They don't. They say absolutely no to every single Astri. Like, there are no Astri, which is pretty crazy. But safe for them, I guess, and their guys.
0: There's just so many factors. They don't die gracefully. They, they're they just unpredictable before eab ash like all day any day even if it's stone dead but now i i see a lot of experienced climbers kind of hesitating just because they're so unpredictable
1: it really depends on where they are i mean uh, we're we have one lined up also in the in the next month that's uh it's been topped but it looks like it just died and it's just there's you can be tied into th- Forty of these tops because it's 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 such a mess. So it's safe. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's horrible. It takes the time it takes, but you know the tree is forty four hundred bucks, and it sounds like sounds like a lot, but it's yeah. going to be most likely you know a day and a half, and we don't care if it takes two days. We're just going to take the time it takes and take care of it slowly and safely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what other options do you have? Is a lift going to make it that much easier? Maybe, if the number <laughs> of center ties has been topped, not really. Maybe a crane
0: there's just so much unknown, I think.
1: And
0: I, th- there's going to be a big shift in this industry in the next couple of years. And honestly, I think the next big one that's going to go is our maples. Like I've seen so much maple decline in our area. And then even here in Guelph, I've been wandering around. I've seen a lot of decline between the Norway maples. here. Yeah, and the same here.
1: We've had um, not, not as much as sugars. I've noticed a lot of Norway's this year, just not looking too happy. And, just our client's trees and they're like, Hey, what's going on? What's going on? And you know, part of it is also like, we're I'm new in the business and I don't always have an answer. And I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that I am learning. And I'll be like, all right, our uh, head arborist going to come <laughs> James comes and assesses it. Uh, there's just many things that can, that can go wrong. Right.
0: The more I've kind of wandered around, the more I've climbed these trees, I've, I took out so many dead tops of very mature trees, very young trees, kind of just all maples in general. But the common factor is a fungal canker, so nectria I've seen a lot, and then a lot of sap fungus kind of coming in as secondary. And I'm not too sure if it is the urban condition, the site conditions with the changing of like the increase in carbon output or something along those lines, but it's not good. I think Ontario is going to take a big hit if we've lost elms, ashes, maples, and then Beaches and oaks are currently at threat as well. It, it's kind of crazy.
1: It is. Yeah, that's a lot of trees that are that are gonna go bye bye, and it's it's kind of funny. There's you know ashes. There's rows and rows and rows of like new developments here that are just okay. Let's plant an ash on every single pro- every single person's property. And now they're all gonna go. So everyone's gonna have a naked front lawn, and they're gonna plant something else. You have gotta plant different varieties. And ginkgos are going up like hotcakes around here. I don't know what people. I, I I'm guilty. I planted one in my front yard.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I have seen a lot of ginkgos the past few years getting planted. And they're such a slow-growing tree, so I don't really know how that's going to take off. Yeah, they, but,
1: on, the, on the tag, yeah, they're like, it's... oh, street tree. That's, that's Okay, that's great. They plant a lot of locusts here also by the streets, which is also mind-boggling to me to see how close trees are planted to roadways or to each other. Like, why do you plant 50 trees all within like seven to 10 feet of each other. Like, are you just going to plant them all, see which ones live and then cut the other ones out later on? Or what's the, what's the goal here? Right. Like I'm sure you've noticed this too.
0: Yeah. So when I was in school, we talked about this quite a bit because the urban forest. So when you plant a tree in an urban setting, it usually only lives around seven years before it's toast and they have to Hmm. replace it with something else. So that just is an insane cost. For the cities to be planting these trees because they're upwards of 700 to yep. 1,000 per tree, then usually the budgets I see get cut the year after they're planted. And then the maintenance costs that were kind of set aside for that tree are just forgotten. So you have these haggard little trees everywhere, no real value to the city or to yeah, the properties. Our
1: borough, it's 25 kilometers long. And there's, because of COVID this year, they have one arborist crew going out. They usually have two, but now they're down to one and they're just taking care of ash. So all their trees are like barely getting any attention at all. So we've actually taken liberties and like, look, this tree's never going to get touched. We're going to hop in and do a little something, little something. Like while it's still young, James will hop in and train it. And I've learned a lot of a lot of pruning this year, which has been a very good part of my learning curve as well. Training, give these little trees a chance, you know, to grow in the right direction and uh, not be left to themselves
0: yeah you've definitely hit the ground running and just kind of popped up it's really cool to see your growth specifically in this and just that whole transition from hedges to full-blown trees to like all of the husqvarna stuff and then yeah all the ladder stuff as well by the way have that you ladder used it yet unreal it's crazy yeah so i used it to access a tree definitely not as scary as a normal ladder and then we used it to prune a london plane that just was planted at the beginning of the year but it had a codom stem so client wanted it to be pruned before the winter yeah hit, uh, so yeah that's, we did that
1: that's such so good. i told you I, I knew you would like it it's, it's hard to explain but whenever you stand on these ladders you <laughs> know guys don't guys understand hasagawa ladders yet yeah, full disclosure i'm a sales rep in quebec yeah, i don't know how i got myself into that but i sell them katie's actually bought one through me and <laughs> 200 other local contractors have, which is amazing. I'm so happy that many other people can work safely at heights uh, where they're doing hedge or tree work. The steps on these ladders are five inches deep, and that is a big difference compared to three and a half inch rungs on competitor ladders. Like I'm sure you felt it, right? Like you're standing up there and you're, you're like, you're like, wow, am I on the ground yeah. or am I on rung 13?
0: <laughs> no, that is completely true even stepping off of the top of the ladder into the tree was just like a completely different experience. I remember being in school on like an extension ladder that was just propped up and just being terrified, even though I was tied into the tree. Ladders are not my friend, but uh, thank you so much for that one because it is, it is life changing uh, for me personally. And if I go into hedge work or have like small tree pruning, Specifically, it's so nice to have that extra height and extra reach without being like, "Oh, am I going to fall off?" Or, yeah, am I going to fall off the exactly. ladder and take it, out
1: the tree? I, I, I like I've already mentioned I've been hedge trimming for over a decade, and whenever like, I took a fall off a ladder, that was a cheapo ladder, and since then, I I was like, I really need to find a safer way to do this. I want to be not a pioneer in the industry, but I want to bring in good equipment. That's going to change the way I work, make me come home to my wife and kids at the end of the day in one piece, which is very important and just make life a lot more comfortable. Like I'm all about comfort at work. There's no reason to be in an uncomfortable position at work.
0: One last thing before we wrap it up, what is the favorite uh, piece of gear?
1: Probably our coffee machine.
0: (laughs) I kind of expected that. that,
1: uh, Jorge, we call him Jorge. We have a George Foreman grill, uh, Georgian Spanish is Jorge, I guess. Pardon me my Spanish. But yeah, uh, we have that grill. And so at lunchtime, it's grill time. We grill our sandwiches and we have an onboard coffee machine. We plug at homes. Uh, not both at once. Plug them both at once. would probably blow a few. Was like we learned the hard way. And I had a cup of coffee and the guys did not have any cup of coffee. So uh, I knocked on the neighbors and we got their power. But yeah, I'd probably say the coffee machine. We love to have fun at work. We love to make work a, a lifestyle and not just uh, something you come to every single day uh, and lose your mind at. We just want to make it a a fun environment. And I think uh, our crew this year has been amazing with that.
0: Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, We definitely went over time. We have so much more to talk about. Than what I kind of anticipated, but I'm, I'm fine with it. I know we could talk forever about all of these things. So we'll have to schedule something again. And hopefully, if people are listening to this right now, obviously it uploaded. Well, thank you again and Awesome. Well thanks for having edited. me.